three two one and we're live hey everyone welcome back to let's take this online with me digital who's today is the last podcast of the day uh by the time you hear this it probably could be a few weeks but um someone i connected to recently was actually working on awesome initiatives and something that i was really interested in um you guys probably know her from organizing i don't know the, the whole fun dxb events which is super cool uh she has an app out which i'm actually using which is actually an awesome app it's uh, called Hubpreneurs, um, and we have Ferry in the house. Hey. How's it going? Uh, it's going really well. Good to hear. Really Good to well. hear. Thanks for being here. I know you're super busy. No pleasure. I'm, I, I love what you're doing. I'm Thank here you. to support, and I just, I'm like, first of all, kudos to you for having this set up. Yeah. It's, it's pretty impressive for what you've created on, like, this is lean. Like, this is the leanest I've ever seen, right. but it's pretty professional looking. I, I always tell people, like, there's no need, there's no excuse out there. Thank you. Because I, I, coming from a guy who used to make every excuse in the book. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, exactly why I've got yeah. anti-excuses. Exactly. Because I, I know every single excuse because I've 100%. used pretty much all of them. Exactly. <laughs> Whatever excuse you've used, I've used it. Yeah. Whatever. So, yeah, yeah. and the fact if I'm doing this, that means yeah. that you should probably be probably 10x our excuses. That, that's how I yeah, know yeah. I've, I'm, I'm the queen of excuses. 100%. Before we get into what you're working on now, I kind of like to do a bit of a journey back mm-hmm. in history. To <laughs> of, exactly. <laughs> I'd like to, I like to know how people got to where they are and how... Uh, and I kind of think, first of all, what do you study in university? I did business studies. All right, cool. You did business studies. Where? In Kingston University, Surrey, United Kingdom. Oh, Good old enough. Great Britain. Then where did you go from there? Actually, that's where I grew up pretty much most of my life. 20 odd years I was there. Did um, my studies, started working in the family business. What's the family business? Import, export. My okay. dad is a serial entrepreneur. He was always a, a trader at heart. And um, yeah, he kind of got me into the whole hook, line, and sinker into, you know what? You need to change the world by mm. creating business, you know, expanding businesses, blah, blah. He was all about creating, creating and expanding. That's his whole vision. So I was like, okay, let's see how I can dabble in that. So did, when you graduated, you worked, you straight worked with him? I was actually working with him even before okay, I graduated, before. just kind of like going in, checking it out. Even when we were living in Iran, because I'm originally Iranian mm. and dad had um, the office set up there. I would still go in when I was really young. I just liked being in an office environment Mm -hmm. and it was kind of seeing the hustle and bustle and i didn't know what hustle was at that time it was just people working but they were working towards something that i didn't understand it wasn't i never knew what nine to five was i didn't understand that whole concept so i always saw my dad working constantly day in day out day Mm. out he didn't really have a day off yeah so it never really came to me that you know work ethic was clock in clock out work Mm. ethic to me was you finish the job yeah. You know what I mean? However long you need to do it. That's a good so thing to learn of, as a young age. Yeah, it, it, it came into, but it would have been great if I had that plus the ambition. Mm. I didn't have ambition. I didn't have a vision. Yeah. I kind of just was like, I'll do business because it's one of the easiest things to do. Mm. And then it'll kind of set me for doing whatever else I want to do. Because I knew everybody else in my peer group, they were kind of either doing biomedical or, or engineering of or the, some sort the of stan- science or the standard something like ethnic, that, right? Uh, exactly. The standard ethnic Thank job. Yeah. <laughs> and then they've all gone out of, completely out of that field and they've all kind of either morphed into finance, coaching, business, some element of something totally different to what they studied. That's usually the case. So more, I was like, more, you know yeah. what, I'll do business. That's kind of the safe bet, right? Yeah, it's the safe. Most people I have on here, including myself, they end up doing actually what yeah. they studied, right? I know. It's very interesting. All right, cool. So how long did you, after graduation, how long did you spend time working with dad? Or I was with when him did you kind of go for off a on your good own? few years, actually. Okay. Um, and he was, you know what? Did you guys, and you got, but by that time, you guys were already in, in, in the UK. Yeah, we were okay. already living there. Yeah. Like, uh, it was just part of my life. I was, he 
set the office. When we first moved in, we were living in London. Yeah. He liked space, so we got a, a place outside of London, and he basically built an office on the same plot of land that we had the house. Where, where, where outside of London? So the Surrey. Okay, Surrey, okay. So we basically were like about 30 minutes outside of London. Yeah. Very easy commute, but it was, you know, spacious. He had the office, so he didn't have an excuse to kind of not mm. work. And I was like, okay, it's easy for me. I just have to get out, roll out of bed. Sometimes I would just walk into the office with my pajamas if there's nobody around. Very easy. Yeah. Kind of like what I did now as a startup kind of vibe. <laughs> um, having my teleconference and all this kind of stuff in my PJs in bed. And they're just thinking, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, in my, I'm in my office. <laughs> so it kind of made me realize that it's all a facade. Yeah, well, you don't have be- to have beats, a big fancy. Beats a suit any day. Yeah, Actually, I kind of like, it kind of no. gets me, it primes me, it gets me into the state of, no. I'm going to go and have a serious conversation. But now I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm all right yeah. wearing, you know, my trackies and whatever. If they let me walk, if they let me come to work in sweatpants, I'm coming to work in sweatpants. <laughs> yeah. the, only, the reason I have not yeah. done it because they won't let me do it. <laughs> well, Especially. you could introduce it as like, you know, Slack Thursdays or something. No, no. I tried that when I was no. actually working in 95 and they're like, no, I'm sorry. We can't even allow flip-flops. I'm like, what? Yeah. So when did you kind of start, when did you go to a nine to five? I actually, this is the first time when I started to create some, some friction in within the family is when I said, you know what, I want to do what I want to do within the business. And I was kind of feeling a little resistant to, with mm. my dad. He was, he has a vision, right? Yeah. So he, I was trying to get things digital at that time. We didn't even have social media and I was really in the marketing side of the business and mm. it was all dealing with luxury products and we were actually bringing out to the UK um, handmade Persian rugs. Okay, so my wow. dad's main line of business is wool. So he used to supply the Iranian textile industry with, with wool. wool and then as a byproduct you had rugs. So some one of the orders wasn't able to pay and they said, look, I've got an entire 40 foot container of, of rugs. Why don't you take them? And he's like, well, what am I, what am I supposed to do with that? The you know that that trader in him came out and he said give it to me let's see what we can do and that's how a whole different side business started Interesting. so i got into that and i was like look i like it let me go into it let's do the marketing so i started doing a lot of promos and stuff before what year the this? age this is again still in the uk so we had over a hundred and yeah 130 um retail stores uh, department stores across the country oh. and it was really pretty cool but i didn't understand um really how to communicate mm. with my dad because at that time he had a very clear goal of this is what I want to do well, yeah, well, and I came in all guns blazing I want to do this and I want to do that and it was just a lot of friction where mm. it didn't need to be and plus we were living together yeah and also I you know it was kind of I'm coming with fresh ideas how much does he trust my ideas and fair enough he did but I think I had a little bit more ego and I wasn't able to understand how to tame that so it kind yeah. of was like two big heads clashing. Well, well, ethnic parents are also kind of set in their own ways. They are. Especially when it comes to like new concepts like digital yeah. and social media. Yeah. Like, like That they're... just is, come on. I yeah. mean, look, fair play to my dad. He's already on Twitter. He linked in the whole full shebang. Is he on TikTok? No, and he, I'm not even on that. <laughs> so I can't really blame him for that. But to be honest, he, he's very ahead of the game when it comes to certain things. He used to sit up there and back in the day when we had telex. So he'd be like sending te- telexes and then it was fax. And then he was always on his laptop. Like his laptop yeah. was his his gizmo. That was it. Constantly, <laughs> wherever he went, that's what he took with him. Then he had the smartphone. So he's always been ahead of the game like that. But I think it was kind of handing over the baton to me mm. was a little bit like, uh, let's just take this easy. So I was like, you know what? Let me go out into the big wide world, see what I can do. And typical Middle Eastern kind of mentality if I have a business, why is my daughter going to work for someone else? It was 100%. like, boom, explosion. Yeah, yeah. 
I was like, you know what? This is where I'm going to step my, my feet down the ground. I'm like, nope, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I didn't really want to work. It wasn't like I wanted to work nine to five. It was mm. like I had to point, prove this point to him mm. that I can. No, so that's enough. kind of like, again, I realized my ego was getting the better of me. Yeah, Which happens. wasn't great, but a big learning. And oh, I for sure. You know what? It doesn't have to be, you know, the nine to five that I understood because I loved working. Mm. It was more freedom than I thought it would be i just honestly didn't realize the amount of work i had to do because it was very much clock in clock out yeah. i was working with dad i would go into three four hours of work and i'm done mm. and i know that i'm delivering whereas when you have to have this mentality at 9 a.m you have to be there and by five you have to clock out this long period of day when there were hours where i had nothing to do yeah i'm standing there thinking well why am i standing here that's like crazy yeah, like the true. mentality was like remote working wasn't around flexible working mm. hours wasn't available so it was kind of a little bit restrictive and i thought okay i'm done with this after a couple of years what kind of industry was it um i did uh, real estate for a year i did so back in those times it was kind of um rental and sales mm -hmm. i did that for a little while and then i also did um some healthcare so i did some pharmaceutical work there okay. working in the sales and marketing side okay. of pharmacies and then that got me into kind of the beauty side of things. I did a lot of training in that. And I realized, no, nah, it's not for me. Okay. Um, then I was like, okay, I'm done with the UK. And to be honest with you, I kind of didn't know where I wanted to go because I've done the whole, like I traveled the whole of Europe. I'd been there, done yeah. that. I thought, well, why don't I just go back to Iran? See what that's like as an adult. What year was this around? We're talking about 2005. Okay. So I was like, okay, I'll go to Iran. And I loved being in Iran. I mean, it was amazing. I was I went in the summer. It was the best time to be there. Everybody was having fun. Then after a couple of months, I was like, I don't want to go back to the UK. I'll just hang out here for a bit. Six months into it, I was like, I can't just sit around doing nothing. I have Did to you have do like a, something. You have ex all your extended family was there, right? Pretty much. Most most of the family had actually moved to Europe and the States. But we had like my grandparents. Well, yeah. my grandmother was there. Um, my cousins and whatnot, a few of them were there. But it, because we weren't really living in Iran, we weren't that close. Mm. So it wasn't that close-knit kind of family vibe that I always thought it would be. Yeah. I think that's where my reality kicked in. And it was like, this bubble that you had in your mind ain't real. Yeah, okay, so you kind of just have to find something to do. Mm. And that's when I realized, okay, I'm going to work, but I don't want to work with... And I know this might, this might sound terrible, but I don't want to find really hard work. Like to go out there and and struggle and whatever it's just never been my thing. So I thought I'll do something where it will keep me busy, but it's more aligned with trade and and that kind of bilateral trade. So I got into the whole diplomatic thing and I started working within the Australian embassy in Iran. Um, in Iran. Yeah. And then I moved to the Canadian embassy, and it was always about promoting trade. So mm. the Australian companies coming over to Iran, and then the Canadian companies coming to Iran, and vice versa. And I realized I really enjoy helping companies grow and allowing them to understand the lay of the land in a new market. That's when I realized that this is what I like to do and this is what I'm actually good at, building that connection with people, developing the relationship and getting them to see what opportunities are out there. I didn't realize that's what, what I'm, I'm really good at, but I really enjoyed it. Okay. So okay, it was kind of like it. falling into place. I'm like, you know, I like this. And yeah. It's quite good fun. I'm getting paid for it. Um, and in retrospect, I was getting paid really well to do a, a job that I really enjoyed. Uh, so I thought I'll do this for another couple of years until I was like, okay, what's next? Because the mentality of <coughs> living in Iran was not what I was expecting. It in was, um, to put it in, in the simplest way, having 
the complete freedom to do what you want, how you want, when you want in the UK and growing up to coming to Iran where it's a beautiful country. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's an incredibly pictures, yeah. rich country when it comes to culture. Um, people are friendly. It's There's so much history, so much you can learn just by traveling around the city. And every weekend that I had off, like long weekends, I get in the car and I love driving, driving up to the north to Tabriz, to the south to Esfahan, just beautiful exploring. Mm. But um, simple things like just going to the bank and cashing my, my salary check-in or whatever it was, they weren't really up to date with things. Now they are. Mm. They've got ATMs, they've got apps, they've got all that kind of stuff. Back in those days, we still had to queue up and it was like a free-for-all. You would be like kind of standing around, there's no queue, there's no system. It's whoever uh. can push and yell the loudest. And I was like, no, nah, this is not my way of just going to you know, deposit money into a bank. Then I started to realize I had some ideas what I want to do mm. and people were not ready. Okay, so fair enough. A, but I think I think probably a crucial time because it kind of made you kind of because because what you're doing today is kind of maybe stem from that time right. that you love to help companies and entrepreneurs right. grow. So, but we said something that about hard work. But you're working hard now. See, but I think it's the definition of hard work. Right. I think we, when we think about hard work, we think about like laborious, mundane yeah. work that we hate. Yeah. But if you do something you love. You don't it's mind working worked. hard at all, exactly. right? Because you love what you're doing now, but you're, I'm sure you're working you know, your ass off, right? To be honest with you, I'm always busy. <laughs> but being busy all the time, I realized um, I have to be productive, not just busy. So I'm, I'm realizing, yes, I'm working hard. But I also had this thing where I, I felt I want to really help the community, mm. help society, create impact. And I didn't really think about monetizing at all. So yeah. money wasn't my driving force, right? So in that in that manner, I was busy all the time, but I wasn't really financially being rewarded. So I kind of felt like I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving, but what am I getting in return? Mm. Yeah, I'm feeling amazing and I'm feeling this is like so rewarding, but really financially, I had to do other things with, with the corporate events and stuff so I can make the money and carry on doing other things for the community. Yeah. And I realized that's not the best use of my skills or the best use of my time. Yeah. So that's when I started to realize I can still do what I want and what I love to do in working and supporting you know, entrepreneurs, but I also need to be able to monetize. For so sure. that element- um, Girls gotta eat. Yeah, uh, and, and I like to eat. So <laughs> for me, I'm I'm not like a you know I went through my my vegan stage and and oh, even then I was like I was all good, but I like my steak. And, don't get me started and, yeah. on the vegan thing. I tried it. I tried it for a month. Yeah, and, legit tried it. Mm. I became lactose intolerant for six months after oh. it. it. It really it messed up my stomach. So uh, I don't. Obviously, you didn't prepare yourself properly. No, you didn't. You didn't do the the probiotics or the prebiotics. You didn't I don't even know. That I just kind of cold just turkey. Kind of like, it. I'm just gonna cold turkey this. And I cooked. Yeah. I made everything at home, and I made these like veggie, like with these vegan burgers. I was so happy, proud of myself. Then and then, then, <laughs> I, then I'm like, right, months over, months over, and go back to my dairy and meat. And there then, I, then I, for six months, I yeah. suffered. Yeah. So you know, sorry to all my vegan friends out there, but it's just not for me. But you just look. At least you tried it. I right? tried it. It's I just always not for say me. experiment and see if it's for you or not. Yeah, and if it's not, then at least you've given it a go. I have a friend who's been on. doing that for seven years. I'm like, I don't have no idea how he's been doing it. Like, I could not sustain. One month was difficult to sustain. But are you like a serious meat eater? Yes. You're like I barbecue. Like, my barbecue outside. The weather's second good. I get my I get my steak. I, I marinate it. I cook it in a specific way. I slow cook it. And then I sear Ooh. it. I take it very very okay, seriously. Okay, where's my invite for your barbecue? <laughs> you're by the way, by the way, by the way, in about five seconds. You're, you're the first person to be here about this. I'm planning to do a. <laughs> By the time this comes out, it'll probably already have happened, so I can say it. I'm planning to do a podcast guest barbecue. 
where Ooh. I bring all the guests who came on the podcast and we just have one big cookout and everyone gets to meet each other and network. Oh, I love that. So that's I'm super fun. happy I've done it now then. So that means I get an invite to the barbecue. Yay. Exactly. Yeah, there Yay. you go. Hopefully it'll probably, I don't know, maybe probably November. Okay. So but cool. this episode won't be out by then. So Pretty good. I'm, I'm looking forward to it already. Go. It's going to be in my calendar. There you go. Anyway, uh, kind of went on a bunch of tangents there. So, um, so, it, so you're like in Iran. You're like a time for a change. Is that when yeah. Dubai came on your radar? Yeah, I literally was like, did you I visit before? Was it- I, I visited for about six months on a on a pretty much every fortnight I was out here. Um, for I had work. a lot of my friends. No, no, no it was oh. just basically friends were out okay. here, and I was just coming out to see yeah, what, what's Persian going on. And I wasn't really with the Persian. It community. was a British community. It was all the 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 my friends and that were coming from London. They were kind of moving out here, mm. and I thought, well, what's going on here? What's this thing about Dubai? And I came out here for a wedding of, of very close friends of mine, and I looked at this place and I was like, I like it. Yeah. It's it's a little bit, you know, it was up and coming at that time. But I decided to move when it was like the big the big crash. Mm. So 2008, I decided to get a job here, and I moved. And everyone thought I was insane, but I just thought, you know what? It's now or never. And I really believe that when there is a crisis happening, there is always an opportunity. Yeah. And I did. I, I was able to move here and and Again, set up embassy on myself. Work kind of thing, or yeah, I, I started working with the British Embassy out here. Okay. Um, and I moved as um. It was with the with the trade section again, focusing on education and ICT, uh, bilateral trade, British companies coming out here and vice versa. But I realized within a short few months that. That's kind of cool, but when the position opened up in the marketing, I was like, "Cha-ching! This is where I want to be." And there were it was basically two uh, two positions in charge of the entire GCC region. And I was like, mm. "That sounds interesting to me." To kind of spearhead that, where we didn't have any uh, marketing collateral, there wasn't really any any promotion happening at all for for British trade out here in as a region. Thought, right, I'm going to put my name up for that. And that's when, within six months, I got basically the job right, so cool. i moved over to the marketing and that was it I, I loved it the region expanded and then before i left i had 16 markets that's awesome so much fun that really really cool great way to build contacts too. exactly yeah but it was a shame that i built the contacts and then i decided to leave the country for a few years so when i came back oh. most of my contacts had all left the, okay. the startups were already um pretty much closed down by that time and the other people um all the suppliers and vendors that i had they had kind of moved into other businesses mm. Everyone had kind of, the scene had changed. Oh, okay. My contacts had changed. So I had to start from scratch. Did you want to go back, back to the UK for a bit? I went back to the UK for a year. Um, but then I was in, I moved to Egypt for a year where I okay. kind of was remote working with the embassy. Why Egypt? Because of the in embassy. Cairo, yeah. Okay, fine. So there was one of my region, one of my countries within mm. my region. So I thought, well, I'll go and try it out there. Um, and then I went to Moscow for two years. Moscow? Moscow was, was not by choice. It was kind of, I got married. And okay. then that location came up and i thought why not it's never been on my radar i had absolutely no idea what to expect apart from you know kgb on my back which yeah. kind of <laughs> wasn't too far from the truth to be honest but it was pretty i'm sure amazing. all diplomatic people are watched very carefully yeah. there i mean i'll tell you one funny thing and i really don't know if i should be saying this or not but hey ho i'm no longer <laughs> with the embassy and i'm no longer married so I, i'm totally to say what i want um but i remember in the first week that i got there I was warned, look, you probably will be followed just for them to give you a little bit of a scare. And I was like, dude, I'm Iranian. People following me ain't going to scare me, but let's just go with this. And literally, I, I think I left the apartment. I came back and there was a stool in the middle of the bedroom. And the bedroom was huge. And there was 
um, I think it was like my glasses or something was put on the stool. Like I would never do that. Yeah, but yeah. I stood in the middle of the room. So it was a sign to let me know we're but here. Someone, We've someone been in. Okay, fine. We know what's going on and we come in and go as we like. And I just, just a friendly and I was reminder, like, a friendly KGB reminder. And I thought I'd be really cool because I thought, oh, come on, this is nothing. And I was like freaking out. I was like, call the security. I need to come and see you. There's someone who came to my house. And they're like, listen, they just put a stool in the middle of, this, of your room. It's cool. The other things that they've done to other people, you don't want to know about. <laughs> so just be okay with it. So I think yeah. that was my sign to know, look, we've been in, you're okay. You dealed with it, okay. You didn't freak out. We're going to leave you alone. And that was it. Mm. Then I was able to just enjoy my time there. I really got stuck in with um, building a community. I think that was the first time I started to really think Learn about- Russian? Yeah, I, I met a lot of um, really cool Russian people. I'm still friends with a few of them. Um, one of the girls, especially Olga, was really trying to kind of spearhead the whole charity thing and mm. imagine charity in, in a country which was communist and that whole vibe, they still hadn't disconnected from that. So they thought everyone was on the take. They thought everyone who says we're going to collect for charity is going to, you know, go out and buy yeah. a Ferrari or whatever. Wasn't, again, too far from the truth. <laughs> but we literally um, worked on the fact that, look, people are there to um, create change. And that's when I realized... There's a lot of amazing Russian businesses out there. They're I'm making sure. their own products. There was a lot of handicraft and all of this. So I started to kind of say, listen, all the expat community, why don't you reach out to, you're in this country for a while. I'm don't sure, stick man. within your silos. Mm. Go out there and explore. Yeah. So I started doing all these events where Russian artisans were able to meet expats and they can then you know, sell their products to them and they can connect to one another and actually start supporting local was that your first delving into events almost no 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 oh, i no, did no. events when i was back in um the uk working okay. with we basically a couple of friends of ours got together and we started doing a young professionals group yeah. um where just we were all kind of like out of uni and we we're all kind of working so we like thought, why up. don't we just all get together and just go for dinners and stuff that was it there was no networking really yeah, as such yeah. it was just kind of a group of us hanging out but that was my first kind of creating a community mm. Um, and then this was like a proper supporting the local businesses out there. And then I realized I've got the bug. I don't want to yeah. just remain a, you know, a housewife that's going to kind of do what I do and, and that's it. So I think that's when everything started to change. I realized I need to do more for the community. I need to do more for me. And I, I remembered, you know, days of when I actually had ideas. I just never acted on them. Okay. So I thought, okay, you know what? I'm going to go back to, to Dubai and see what I can do out there. And I think that's one of the things when it kind of separated. Sometimes relationships I've come to realize after talking to so many entrepreneurs, they either go through a breakup um, because of the business mm. or the business breaks up because of the relationship. One way or another, it's very difficult to maintain both. Do you think you were too independent? Um, I think a, I, that's a I, thing? no, I forgot my, I forgot that I could be independent and be married at the same time. Mm. I kind of thought I have to sacrifice one for the other. Oh, um, so you feel like you, you kind of felt true. like you kind of gave up I a gave part up, of you. I gave up completely part of me, oh. which. That creates like resentment, doesn't it? Yeah. Sadly. Resentment, um, a lot of, um, bitterness comes mm, out and I think sure. it creates an unhappiness within you. And it kind of and then builds, you can't and be, builds and Exactly. And, and you just don't feel yourself. Mm. I lost my confidence and I, it's just realizing look it i could just do everything right, I want. right person wrong time or something like that um or wrong person wrong time i don't know <laughs> i think it was just me i had an idea of let me try this marriage gig um and let me give it all did you, that uh, I've got. Did you ever have any family pressure about marriage no 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 oh, okay, that's good no I, I was very much kind of like you do whatever you want to oh, do really cool. just as long as you're For happy ethnic family, that's good yeah i mean that and I've, i have a very open-minded family that's really goodness, good. so I'm, I'm pretty lucky on that front um it was just kind of like do what makes you happy mm. 
And I unfortunately didn't go with my intuition. I kind of went with my head. And my mm. head was like, it's time you settle down. Logical. It's time you be rational about yeah. this and find someone who you can kind the of settle down. The norms of society kind Precisely. of thing. Precisely. Yeah. And I realized, what the heck am I doing? And I yeah. had all the red flags. And I think that set me off to realize you need to trust your intuition. Yeah, for sure. And I didn't do it. Um, and I still didn't do it even when I, I started my own business out here doing consulting. Again, I went into consulting yeah. for businesses who want to come out here and do some market access reports and research and all of that. Right out of Russia. When you right out, yeah, yeah, when I came back. Um, until I figured out what I really want to do. And I took on some pretty dodgy clients just because I was like, I need to make money. And I realized my intuition told me, do not go with this client. And every time I went against that, I got screwed in some yeah. way. So it kind of made me realize, trust what you you feel. Mm. If there's something not right with this client for whatever reason, don't go with it. Fair enough. And now I literally, whenever I get the vibe, don't work with this person, I don't. I don't even think about it anymore. It's yeah. not thinking about it rationally. There's a science behind gut feeling. Yeah. I, I remember reading about it and I completely forgot. I need to... Because they say your gut is your third mind. Yeah, um, so, it, something, some synapsis happens where, yeah. where like you actually, it's actually your head, but it's like in the archives of your head kind of thing. So it's I need it's to more to it. do with your um, subconscious as well, and it connects to what it is that you truly are aligned to. And sometimes when we have too much going on in our head, yeah. it, they call it, you know your monkey mind is running out of control. Yeah. When that gets out of control, you don't know what you want to do. Mm. That clarity, you get that brain fog. And I think I went through a lot of personal development to figure out who am I? What do I want to do? What is my vision in life? What is my purpose for the, yeah. what am I doing? I think one of the books that literally changed the way that I see what it is I want to do was um, Simon Sinek's um, Start With Why. A lot of people talk about that book. You know, the first one to come on the podcast and talk about that. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it's it's one of that one. And, and I'm going to say an expletive here, but it's, it's based on a book. So I'm not just coming out with, with uh, yeah. the F word. Um, but you know, the, uh, no, yeah, yeah. yeah, the, the other one, which, um, also made a big difference in my life as well was actually the, um, Alan Watts is someone that I had a life coach and I still, I do. And, and he's also a mentor and he basically introduced me to Alan Watts as mm. a as philosopher and really got into what are we here to do? What is the point of our existence? Yeah. And I realized my existence is not here to, you know, promote businesses. I'm here to do something bigger, but I need to find out what it is. And that's when I started to understand I need to know who I am before I start any other business because it's not going to work if I don't, if I'm not committed to it and I don't have that mm. strong um, backing within me to really push forward. Because we all know you have those days where you're thinking, what the hell am I doing right now? Why am I going through this? I For should sure. just get a nine to five job, have that steady income, know that I'm going to be covered and I don't have to worry about this. I went for months without having income. So thank God I had my family supporting me and yeah, I was able really to good. stay with my sister because I couldn't have done half the things I'm doing if I had to literally feed myself and, and you know, pay the bills. 100%. So this is the kind of stuff that we all want to try and do certain things to change our lives and change the world. But you kind of need the support of people to really be able to do that. For sure. Uh, you like, how's having a life coach? I honestly... I go back and forth on the whole thing. Yeah? So tell me, what, okay, first of all, what's your experience with a life I've coach? I've never met, I, like, I never met, I never had a life coach. For me, it's just the aspect. Because I'm the kind of person, I've kind of self-taught, self-grew, yeah. self-analyzed myself to where I am today. Yep. It was difficult, super difficult, took me years, right? Yeah. So I kind of look back, I'm like, I kind of did it. 
where I constantly still do it. What's the extra USP your life coach will give me? Maybe an outside perspective? I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I always look at what's the extra value that could come from a life coach I can't just give to myself. Okay. Well, the easiest way I can explain it to you is this. Um, you can go, we're, right now we're sitting in the Springs, right? Yeah. If you want to go from Springs to Fajera, you know that you can kind of get in the car, get out there, look at some of the, you know, the road signs that you've got and sure. find your way to Fajera, right? The life coach is like Google Maps. Sure. It's like GPS. You put in there the direction of, you put in there your destination and it will give you some options. You can go this route, this route, this route. This one is slow, this one is faster. Which one you want to go? You want to pay Salek? You don't want to pay Salek. Yeah. And you kind of make your choice based on what you want but to get it, to your destination. But does that mean that life coach must have gone through something similar nope. to be able to do? Nope. Because I, I actually started, um, I, I started with a life coach and then I started going into understanding what is my mind all about? How the heck does this thing that, that is controlling me work? And I realize it's not controlling me. I'm letting it control me. So a life coach or, um, or a mindset coach or whatever coach, mm. even if you look at the athletes, they all have coaches. Sure. So it doesn't mean that they don't know how their body works. They just want someone to tell them how to get better at what they're doing. But right? when, you look, when you look at athletes, most of the time the coach was some guy who basically did what the athlete did. And now he has experience. So for example, I'll do it this way, right? Yeah. Let's just come out. Look, for example, you, I'm sure you have the same experience. When you start going to the gym yeah. and you tell your friends about it, you're going to have friends and family members who've never went to the gym give you gym advice. Correct. Right. And then so, it's your choice whether you listen to them or 100%, not, right? 100%. So, so I kind of look at it that same way. Like, are you going to have someone who did not go through what you're trying to achieve give you advice on that? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you, like I don't but know. But see, that's, that's more of a, a mentor. Math, a math, that's more of a mentor. Yeah, if that's a mathematician comes up to you and tells you how to be an entrepreneur, you're like, you have no idea you're a mathematician. Right. right. But if like Bill Gates rocks up and he's like, you're, you're going to listen. Right. So that's kind of... See, this is the difference that a lot of people misunderstand coaching with mentorship. Mm, so maybe. when you have... Um, a mentor, it's ideal to get a mentor who's experienced what you want to experience. And yeah. if you want to set up a business, you sell you and, and you want to do it, say, for example, if you want to start a podcast, right? I would go to you yeah. who's already been there and done that and ask you, hey, can you just kind of give me a heads up on how to do a certain podcast or what equipment I should get? Or, yeah. you know, what is the flow? How many minutes should I do? Should I have a guest? Should I just do it me? What should I do? Because you've been there and done that. 100%. So you can then somehow mentor me in doing mm, that, okay, right? Fine. And then just kind of say, look, these are, this is my advice. It's, it's a do's and don'ts. The difference between that and a coach is... A coach will kind of not tell you what to do. They don't have to know how to do the podcast, but they okay. will listen to, okay, what is the purpose of why you want to create the podcast? Do you okay. want to do it on your own? So or do you want to do it with strategic? people? So it's a little bit more like clearing up the the mind fog that you've got to understand what it is you want to do more like and ask, get you to find out the solution. Most basically like ask you the right questions kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, a mentor does the same, but the, the quality of the questions you ask pretty much determines the quality of life mm. you've got. So that's one of the biggest statements that's literally changed my life because I'm always, I'm a curious person. Sure. So I used to ask a ton of questions. I just asked really stupid questions. Mm. Like I would ask like, you know, why is this person not listening to me? Why is that person not um, taking my calls? Why is this person rejecting my proposal? They're not questions that are going to allow me to grow. What I started to then do is change my questions and ask how can I write a better proposal that will get the reaction that I want to be a positive one? How can I turn this rejection into an opportunity? How can I actually get into the office of the person who's a decision maker and get that decision into my favor so I can get a yes on what I want? Mm. So that started to get my mind into finding answers that are going to serve me rather than questions that are just roadblocks. Love so that kind of thing was all through personal development to understand, mm. look, your language is everything. 
The, what you say to yourself makes a difference. What you're thinking makes a difference. And your attitude and your approach to anything is gonna be different if you just start asking smart questions. That's it. So simple little tweaks. I was able to change my mindset from big time kind of, I, oh my God, I failed once, I'm gonna fail again. If I start this business, what if it doesn't work? Mm. And that fear of failure slowly started to dissipate because I looked at it and I thought, well, I've been there already. What's the worst that can happen? That's true. I just do it again. Yeah, and exactly. it fails again. Okay, fine. Again. So I have two failures to my name. What's the worst that can happen then? Sure, that sure. fear of failure, once you've gone through it, kind of just doesn't look as scary anymore. No, I get you. And no, then you sense. kind of have, like you said, you coach yourself into it. So mm. I believe you have to be your own self-motivator. 100%. You have to coach yourself, but you need to know how your mind works and how you react rather than... Um, and I used to be very reactive mm. rather than responsive. Okay. So that again was very detrimental to the way that I was living my life. If someone would get angry and I would let their anger kind of take over me mm. and I would start getting angry and then there would just be like two people being very angry. It doesn't serve anyone. No, makes sense. So I'm able that. to then respond and just like, this isn't going to work for us if we're both going to start kicking off. How about we just take five minutes out and then just figure out what's the game plan. Mm. So I was able to respond knowing that this isn't going to work if we both just go, bah, bah, bah. Yeah, and that works a lot when you're dealing with pretty intense situations either. And I was doing a lot of events. So when you have a lot of things happening and you're the one who's project managing it, if you lose your, your, your control on things, everything is done. Everyone's looking to you to maintain that level. And if you're like panicking and I used to see like there were, some of my colleagues were running around trying to get from A to B. And I said, please don't run because everyone else will start to realize you're panicking. Walk with purpose, walk fast, mm. but don't let people know that we're having you know, a panic attack. Just kind of hold yourself. Now, if I started running around like a hellish chicken and they started panicking, everything will go down the toilet. So I realized you have to lead by example and For you have sure. to hold your, yourself in a way that no one's gonna realize that you're you know, falling apart. Yeah, for sure. And when it's over, then of course you can have a meltdown. <laughs> then no one really cares. And I've done that a lot. It's over like, trust now. me, it's over now. No one's going to you know, care, but you can have a meltdown and be like, oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. But yeah. at the time, hold it together. No, I get you. All right, cool. So uh, go off on your own, kind of do your own thing. When did the whole, um, you know, the whole fun DXB, the whole hopper kind of thing come together? When that happened? Uh, so I started going to fun DXB after I had two failed... Um, initiatives and a business which kind of just thought, wasn't making oh, I thought, money. I thought FundXP is something you're running. No, no. FundXP, oh, when I first say. started, it's actually been running um, as a franchise 2015 here by Jay. So Jay okay, is one of the guys. Right. So we're it's trio. Jay, Brandon and I. Now Jay started okay, it back in 2015 because he was going through his own failure in his own business and he shared it a, a ton of times and he was looking for an outlet. And that's when he came across the whole fun. Uh, this is when, again, the brand, the franchise that was started in Mexico. So, so, okay, so international franchise. You guys so international kind of franchise. franchise here. Okay. He brought it out here and he, he did some um, a, a few events. I think it was about eight episodes or something um, in about a year. And that's when I went to one of the episodes. It was my first one. Literally, I sat there and I was like, hold on a minute. There are people who are very okay talking about their failures. So what have I got to complain about? Like, I haven't really lost a bunch of money i haven't really you know um failed that big that i've i've let down people employees or anything like that i've had something which didn't i didn't create a profit so i had to close the business down it's not the end of the world no. just get up dust yourself off and move on and i know it's cliche but it was pretty hard to do at the time but i think that event where everyone was so open about failures 
made me realize the <coughs> the stigma that we've attached as a in our culture yeah. in my family in my own self i realized it ain't working for me to no. be so fearful of failure because it's just going to prohibit me from doing anything do you think in especially because you know we're both ethnics here so yeah. do you think in our cultures failure is a lot worse than in, like the western cultures we allow it to be a lot worse we magnify but, it and we make it so much yeah. bigger like that that big you know monster that we are scared of but if you look at about look i i we both grew up in in that kind of mentality where failure is not something we're so proud about, right? Do you know, but do you want to realize why? I, I, I've been thinking about this. It's because failure is big, for example, because no one wants their cousin, their mom, their, their grandmother, their neighbor to talk, oh my God, did you hear about so-and-so son, their yeah. business failed? I think it's become, because especially in our cultures, we care so much about what the neighbor says and what yep. the third cousin six times removed Who we've never even or, met in our yeah, lives. Says and we thinks, put so right? much so, emphasis on how they think about us. Exactly. Like, as if it even makes a difference. And oh my God, did you, hear about, did you hear about her son? Exactly. He had to close down his business. And, yeah. like, I think that's what makes our, that's it's what makes that stigma. It's yeah. attached to, but it's only in our oh, heads. poor so-and-so. And actually, to be honest with you, if so-and-so that we don't even know is actually going to think anything bad about us, yeah. why are we letting that affect our decisions 100%. in life? Absolutely zero. Why do I care about, for, so, like, why should, like, for example, my family members care about a housewife that's never right. worked before in her life right. if my business failed? Right. If she had opened a business and it was successful right. and then she thought I saw, I might little, I'll be like, all right, cool, maybe it's just something I could learn here. Right. But she's never done that before in my life, so why should anyone care? Thank you. That's, that's something that I think, I think that we the, put way too much emphasis on. The we attach on failure, which is, doesn't even come into reality we make it bigger than it really yeah, should be and because we do that we are f we're basically fearful of judging yeah. judging ourselves people judging us it's this whole judgment thing so if we start to realize look we just have to do what we want to do it might work it might not work it's that 50 50 and at the end of the day if you take that choice to, to do something which could be risky you might realize that, look, you find out something better about yourself that you never knew. You might know that you could potentially start a business that anyone else could have done it would have failed. But because you yeah. started it, you had that passion, you had that conviction to make it work. Now, if everyone keeps telling you it's a crappy idea, it's not going to work, it's not going to work, and you still believe in it, that's up to you. Now, I don't, for me, I've realized a lot of people are like, especially in the entrepreneurship arena, it drives me crazy. They get an idea into their head and they're like, I've got to do this. This yeah. is going to be my million dollar business. And I'm like, dude, not, test the market. What does the market say? If the market says it ain't going to go and it gets a big, uh -uh, don't do it. Because if you do it and you fail, don't blame your mother and your father and this, that, and the investors and the market and all this. Test the market. Not figure so. it out. And then understand this is an idea that is scalable, it's it's profitable, then launch. But at the same time, if people are putting you down saying you can't do it, then that's a different issue. So the idea versus you as a person and your approach are where people get the lines crossed. They think mm. if they say your idea is bad, they're, they're saying you're not up to it. So they have to understand if you don't have the right idea, it doesn't mean that you're going to fail in everything. It just means that idea isn't a good one. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't ever try launching a business or, or anything of that nature. And I think we mis we misconstrue the, the difference between a good idea and someone who's going to create a good business. Yeah. It's very different. It's, it's you as, as a person. But I, again, failure is something that I've just realized 
we make it so much bigger than it really has to be. And that's one of the reasons, to be honest, that as an audience member, I went there and I literally, after the third session that I attended, Jay wasn't putting them on anymore because as normal situation, you have to kind of pay your bills. So he had to stop doing this because we we just volunteer our time. It's pro bono for us. Um, And he just had to dedicate his time to, to making money. I kind of was like, dude, I need my fix. I need my fun DX, but I need to sit there and listen to people talking about how they, you know, bombed and, and whatever they did. Yeah. Just for me to f- kind of realize it's okay. And I then came to think, look, if he can't do it on his own, let me try and somehow find a way to support him. Okay. And I, that's how I kind of came to the community manager of the venue. And I said, give me his details. Let's set up a meeting. How can we support Fun DXB to get back up and running? And that's how it started. Um, then we realized that let's create a little a group together. Let's push it forward. And I wasn't supposed to be, you know, taking the stage with it. I was just kind of co-organizing it and getting the speakers ready and you selecting that. just wanted that. people to come. Just wanted to have the event back up and running. And it was one of the events that um, I think Jay was doing a, um, an event in Abu Dhabi. He couldn't make it back. And he just called me at like 6.30 and he said, <laughs> Barry, uh, I'm not going to make it back you need to do the whole thing. And I was like, excuse me, what are you talking about? Are you crazy? And that's that's it. He, what year was this? This was last year. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, that recent. Yeah, okay. it was that recent. We literally, well, you, you, come off everything, as, you come off like a season pro. Well, I think it's because you put a mic in my hand. I kind of were like, this is where I'm supposed to be. And the I'm not gonna, there out. you go. So I realized, hold on a minute. I think the whole element of me connecting to people kind of really mm. came out at that time. And that's it. I think this year has been the year where I, I've mixed my my love for curating events and coming up with ideas and really pushing the boat out with my love for Fun DXB. And with the support of Brandon, who does everything on our um, social media, and Jay, who's kind of like, look, let's keep the, the momentum going. I was like, we need to cherry pick our speakers. We need to really come up with themes. Let's go for a different stage. So yeah. we did... In this year alone, we've just we've done our first um, government collaboration with Innovation Arabia. We did our first um, co-work, co-working roadshow. So we did a Fund XP roadshow with 10 events in 10 days. We've done um, our first All-Stars where we brought three speakers from like two years back. We've done a whole bunch of stuff. Oh. And, and there's even more things. We want to do a university roadshow. We want, we've done our first um, social networking kind of Fundy XP vibe um, where we just kind of brought speakers to network with the crowd. No speaking, it's just our favorite people to come along That's cool. and people can get to know them and, and connect with them where they want to, but they don't have time at the event. And there's another huge thing that's going to be happening um, before the end of the year. So we're pretty excited about what's going on. And I think moving it forward, there's a lot of ideas that, that I've got that I really want to kind of get people to collaborate with. And I'm a big supporter of collaboration. I think this is one of those things that I rely on other people to um, make this whole thing work. So we get sponsors from um, on on the food. So we have a lot of amazing brands that come on and they're startups. So for us, we're giving them the platform where they can showcase what their business is and they support us in the same way. And the speakers, of course, they put their time in, they put their failures on well, in, on air, really, mm. and everyone is able to kind of dissect them. So it, it takes a an entire community to really build a community, oh, sure. and that's one of my my passions. I genuinely love supporting everything that we're yeah. doing on that level. Well, I missed the last one, but I saw I was watching it very closely on social media. I'm like, it was it was massive. It yeah. was awesome. We're getting up. I mean, we started. I think um, like Jay has, to, Jay has to admit year. that you coming you coming in like helping has really 
changed a few. Like it was really helped. I, I'm I'm getting better at taking compliments, so <laughs> I'm gonna take that as a thank you very much. I appreciate it. I think um, the idea. Like it wasn't on my radar two years ago, but now yeah. it's all. It got my radar very quickly yeah. this year, right? Well, yeah. I think it's also because I genuinely um, I bring my energy to it, mm. and because I love it. I literally am interested in what the speakers have to say. I'm not doing it because I want to make a brand uh, big. I actually am interested in what the speakers have mm. to say because imagine in the last, and that's why I started the podcast. I started to say, look, I want to know more about the speakers. I'm genuinely interested in, in the ones that I find fascinating. I want more time with them. So I was like, okay, I'm going to come up with a podcast and we'll just do another one hour deep dive. And that's all I did. And I've done seven episodes, which I haven't published at all but i've just been kind of getting into it and realizing where is this going because i think i've learned so much in the last year just from listening to yeah, sure. say over i think we've had over 80 um speakers awesome. sharing their stories and they have allowed me to understand what is i want to do and that's how i was able to come up with harpreneur the whole mm. concept came with, I had a few ideas. I did a few initiatives in the last two years. They bombed and I realized it ain't going to work. So I did speed networking for um, entrepreneurs, didn't work. I tried to put together this collaboration for entrepreneurs to kind of come up with, um, if, you, if there's a tender, let's all collaborate and put our project together instead of like all do little bits of it. And it, it just didn't work. It didn't have the right framework. And then I came up with, look, I have a ton of people that I know and they all want to scale their business, but they just don't know how to communicate with one another. They don't know how to get in touch. And I am not LinkedIn. I don't have that much time. So put them all on this app, get it up and running <laughs> and let them find themselves the right people. Yeah. And then the events is everything I've been doing. So at this stage, the whole concept of Hapanura is giving people the access point. It becomes that, that plugin where you tap into it to meet the right people and you grow your business by letting them grow theirs. So if you yeah, know so how to, right? exactly when, if you know how to digital transformation and there's someone who wants to create um, an e-commerce business, why not connect to you and just have that chat? Yeah. And then eventually there'll be coaching on board. There'll be mentorship. There'll be a payment system on there where you can actually exchange on, on a business level as well. So it literally is going to be a one-stop shop. But it all came out because I just realized the ideas that I had that failed were not perfected well. They were not executed well. They were good in co as a concept, but I didn't know how to really do it very well. Yeah. So I kind of just found the right people and I worked on the idea a little bit and I kind of iterated and iterated, tested the market for about a year to understand, is this what the market really wants? Is it what it needs? And with as the leanest startup I can go with, with less than 3,000 dirhams, I put it out there. I had no social media. I had no team. I had, it was me. It was me and some money and um, an awesome contact that I was given by um, a partner that you'll come to know in the next month or two. He basically said, look, connect with these guys. They're awesome in development of tech and all of this. See what they can do. They created my app and let's get on with it. I thought, why not? I'll just have a chat. Yeah. And that's it. That simple chat, I was like, look, guys, we need to do this the leanest way possible. I'm bootstrapping like you wouldn't believe. I have no investor. I have no interest in having an investor. Let's show people that you don't need all of these excuses. I don't have enough money. I don't have the best idea. I don't have enough time. I don't have the right team behind me. You don't need it. Mm. You need to just understand, is the idea viable? Have you tested it? Is the response good enough? Launch. Launch and learn along the way. Like my branding that ain't even my branding. Like I just said to the guys, I want a red color 
go with it. Yeah. Do whatever you want with it. <laughs> Give me icons, make it like intuitive, make everything simple to understand. Yalla go. Like even I don't have a menu yet. I'm like, okay, phase two. Why? Because I'm testing to see, sure. is this going to work? Do we need an in-app chat? Yes, we do. Let's put it on there. Do we need this? Okay, let me get the funds. Let me put it on there. I'm not going to spend that money to just put something out, which a lot of people have. And I've met some really incredible people who've launched apps that failed within the first year because they put all their money into it and they didn't have the right structure in place. They didn't have the resources. Mm. And that's money that's never going to come back to them. So I was like, I'm not making that mistake because I've learned that they didn't do it the right way. And I'm just testing it, pure experiment. This is a complete experiment that let's just put it out there. Let's demolish all the excuses that any entrepreneur can come up with and let's see if it's going to work. Well, honestly, I've been testing it out for a while. It's, it's fun. Good. It's cool. Yeah, I think all, one thing I'm missing is an in-app chat for me right now. So yeah. those who don't know, Hubpreneur is an app. Uh, you guys can download it. It's on, the, it's on iOS and Android. Yep. And uh, it's just basically a place, a meeting place for people who want to collaborate to work together, I guess, from entre and entrepreneurs. I'm not technically an entrepreneur. Like the podcast is kind of its own thing. Yeah. But uh, I do like working with entrepreneurs. There you go. So I actually connect. I think I connected with like 30 people already. Yeah. So. I mean, at the moment, we've got about 200. I haven't even started to reach out. Um, it's all just growing organically. Yeah, I've done cool. nothing paid on it. It's just literally the events that I'm doing are, again, supporting how to set up a business yeah. in different fields. Um, we did one recently about how to create passive income. Did another one about uh, protecting your brand. There's more coming up, you know, creating a brand, brand architecture, um, how to create a tech business, how to, um, you know, have a coaching business. All of these things that I know people who want to learn how to do it. If you don't know how to start a business, here is the, yeah. the, the way to do it. Here is the place that you can set up and get on with it. Like yeah. what's holding you back? No excuses. And then there's more coming up with the whole mindset thing. Because I really think even if you have a really sound idea, if you don't have the right approach, you're not going to be able to back it up. It's like that, that triangle. Yeah. You need to have the three angles of it. You need to have the idea, you need to have the support system and you need to be strong enough to get it going and maintain it. So if you don't have those three, your idea could be fantastic, but it, you can't execute it if you don't have the ability to understand time management, 100%. just simple soft skills and hard skills. You need all of it. So you need a skill set, tool set and mindset to get it off the ground and maintain it and make it sustainable and make it profitable. Otherwise, that's why we have these high percentages, you know, <coughs> something ridiculous, like you've got over 80% of, of startups that fail in the first. I'm like, yeah, we know the stats, but what are we doing to combat yeah. them? So let's take the excuses out of the game, 100%. give them the resources, then let's see what's going to happen 100%. and turn that around. All right, cool. Let's talk about, because uh, I want to wrap this up, is uh, what's, what's, what's in the pipeline that you could talk about? Anything upcoming that we can share? Or is it all going to... Okay, there's some cool things happening with FundXP. Okay. So um, huge collaboration um, happening in November. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a clue. So if you know what's going on, you'll figure it out. Um, there's an annual entrepreneurship um, event that happens every uh, year in one of the Emirates within the UAE. And we're looking to collaborate with them. There Very will cool. be some things coming out in the next couple of weeks about it. Nice. So that's one big thing that's happening. And I'm bringing some really awesome previous FunTXP speakers and some incredible new speakers that no one's heard. Um, amazing stories. Right. Like we've got a 20-something-year-old who's got five businesses, huge failures in the past, everything in tech, like incredible guy. Another guy who um, lost everything 
um, had a heart attack and now has literally restarted everything for $1,000 and is now making $10 million wow. every single year, like easily. So he's growing 10% month on month simply from just the idea of creating an internet company. Yeah. So these kind of ideas, I'm like, okay, those are big failures. Let's put them on a big stage. So that's something coming up in November. Very cool. Um, keep an eye out for that. On the, yeah. Tell, I'm telling you, you need to look out for it. Um, January is going to be a big launch. Again, one of on DXB level, big, huge collaboration mm. happening. Testing out some ideas where um, it's not just going to be speaking. It's going to be more speaking and networking. So you really kind of get to know the speakers a bit mm. better. Uh, I'm bringing some pretty big celeb speakers who are Ooh. going to be, they're, they're big entrepreneurs Ooh. and they're going to be in the country. So I'm like, okay, you're in the country, you're mine. You're mine for one evening. Um, so that's another one on Hopefully a fun DXP level. Like hundreds of thousands. Um, I think they'll happily just collaborate with okay. us on that level, unless we get some big sponsorships. And I think, um, there's another level where we want to do some corporate fun DXP gigs. So okay. take this into the corporates and get Why them not? to start talking about what's going not so right in their own business um you know potential campaigns if they're doing anything on that level and then on the hop on your side there's just, just testing, a lot more releasing news yeah there's going to be um payment system put on there a collab with another awesome app called for lucy it's a local um app as well yeah for lucy is a really cool app but you can basically create your own um payment gateway <coughs> as, as a merchant so i think a lot of a pain point for startups is payment 100%. and especially if you want to get onto the payment online gateway that kind of aspect you need to have a trade license you need to have a hundred thousand different things so this is kind of yeah, a trade license to get with mastercard and visa precisely a bunch. It's a, it's a and, and it's just it's not an easy way to do it so no. for lucy is one simple way that's going to be really cool collaboration um again a huge amount of mentorship coming on there. So I'm going to have some webinars with some pretty cool people mm, okay. who have been fun DXP speakers, All some right, of my faves, to, and they're going to be on there as well. So events-wise as well, I'm going. To, I'm working on a couple of really cool big names All who right, are going cool. to be coming out here as well. Um, and just, a, there's a lot happening. There's so much happening that I'm like, can I please talk about it? Because I'm, I'm not good at keeping secrets. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm trying to be as secretive as I possibly can. But I think if you kind of probe a little bit more, you can figure out exactly what All I'm right, saying. Guys, listen, you guys, everyone download Hubpreneurs. There's an event section there. And yeah. you'll get, and when the events come out, you'll see it there. That's Thank probably you. the best way. Really, honestly, you should be my PR guy. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> You guys go download the app. I enjoy it. And uh, I'm not even an entrepreneur, but I still enjoy it. And there's some really interesting people out there. There are. There are. Cool. How can people uh, find you, find FunDXB, find Hubpreneur? You can find this um, on social media. Um, basically, I'm Fari underscore Zolf on Instagram. FunDXB is fun, double underscore DXB again on Instagram. And Hubpreneur is exactly that, Hubpreneur. There's no space. There's no nothing. I'm making it as simple as possible. There you guys go. So yeah, you no can excuses. just, there is exactly, <laughs> I love it. You already got me before I even started. No excuses. Yeah, there you guys go. Download it, check it out. I think it's really interesting. If you guys just want to reach out to Fari and have a chat, please do that. She's super, super friendly. Always welcoming. Um, Thank you. It's been a pleasure connecting with you. Thanks for coming on here. Uh, guys, for the app, we are in 10 plus sites. Find me everywhere. Uh, and Rami as well for whoever's uh, local in UCC. Um, for me, Digital Hoos, Instagram, Twitter. Um, and on LinkedIn, Hassam Al Haj. All the content goes on there as well. Please subscribe, rate, and drop some feedback because I do want to hear what you guys have to say. If you don't like the sound of my voice, I can't really change it. It is what it is. <laughs> but please let me know. And I don't know, maybe fair, we'll just talk more in the future instead of me talking. <laughs> well, like, I, talk I loved, I love this kind of free flowing <laughs> style. It's totally it's my thing. It. It's how we do it. All right, guys, this is Let's Take This Online and we are out.